welcome to the Steroids Podcast with your host, Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Steroids Podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109-page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Now, for the first time in bodybuilding history, you have someone with no corporate interests and no obligation to please anyone, not walking on eggshells to not offend. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the information, the whole information, the whole truth, not a full truth and a half-truth. Full truth. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the keys to the Lamborghini, gives you the information, and lets you decide what to do with it. It's a crime this information has been suppressed this long. Now let's get on with the podcast. What's up, man? Welcome back to another episode of the Steroids Podcast. You know how I get you guys pumped up before every episode with the uh, Heavy metal music. I get pumped up before every episode too. Confession. I drink coffee before I do every episode. And I also listen to my favorite music, which is always heavy metal. And sometimes I have a guilty pleasure called Screamo. Some of that kind of emo, but it's like emo combined with heavy metal screaming music i like that sometimes too that's kind of a guilty pleasure for me um but when it comes to music i'm i love guitar you can watch me play guitar on uh electric guitar of course heavy metal guitar rock and roll guitar you can watch me uh play that on my on one of my youtube channels called dan the bodybuilder in thailand you can go there and look through my videos and see videos of me rocking out playing guitar not sitting down, guys. I'm dancing while I play guitar. I'm rocking the hell out. Mind you, I was off of steroids for three months when I filmed those videos, okay? Because that was when I was writing Ultimate Guide to Roids, the best book in the history of bodybuilding. So, Ultimate Guide to Roids, the 109 page ebook that explains everything you need to know about steroids. And gives you all the tools that you need to go from knowing nothing about steroids to being able to know exactly what you need to do to being an IFBB pro and anywhere in between. Ultimate Guide to Roids. It's a roadmap to do that, okay? All the information is there in order to do that. Any Anything from you don't you know nothing about roids all the way till what you need to do to be an IFBB pro and anywhere in between. Uh, Ultimate Guide to Roids is the best book in the history of bodybuilding, bar none. Um, bodybuilding as you see it is what it tells you how to do. The podcast has got a lot of great information, and it's a great addition to Ultimate Guide to Roids. But Ultimate Guide to Roids is, like I said, it's a roadmap and a reference guide. It's got all the key stuff. On the podcast, we talk about a lot of stuff that is not so significant because people are curious. They're curious and they want to learn. So we talk about stuff that is, you know, not the most important stuff all the time. 
But what Ultimate Guide to Roids contains is all the important stuff that you need to know. It's, I mean, it's not even just, it's not even just steroids. It's got everything bodybuilding in it. Bro science, what bro science works, which bro science doesn't. Trouble shooting sexual steroid side effects. Um, it, it prepares you for anything you need to do with bodybuilding. And it's been a huge success. It sells multiple copies every single day. Um, ever since I released it, uh, a few months ago, uh, it's never not sold copies every single day. So it's been amazing, an amazing experience, um, having written that book and, um, then seeing the, the way the response has been, I'll tell you what, when I was writing that book, you know, I, I wasn't on steroids and I wasn't training during that time. What I would do when I woke up and before I went to bed and every single time in between for about two or three months there, it, it was two and a half, three months that I was doing this, uh, it was what I did my entire day, all day. I would go to the Starbucks and I'd be typing away there, typing away in there, writing to you guys and, and making sure that the writing was perfect because I needed to make, you know, the best book in the history of bodybuilding. And I knew I had the information to do it and the experience to do it. And so that was why I, you know, I have so much pride in that book because that is my greatest work. Like if you guys like any of my stuff from YouTube or Instagram or the website bodybuilder in Thailand or steroidspodcast.com, you know, that this ultimate guide to roids is my greatest work. It It is my pride. I personally believe it should sell minimum 1 million copies because it's so beneficial to everyone that is someone who knows nothing about steroids to even the advanced steroid user as a reference guide even. It is, it is so, so valuable of a thing to have. And I mean, that's the response. I get emails every day from people saying how exactly what I'm telling you, it's the greatest book in the history of bodybuilding. They've never seen anything that has come close to being as informative and eye-opening as this book is, uh, ultimate guide to roids. And I'm proud of it. That's, that's what I, that's what I feel about my book. I, I am proud of of the work that I did on that. If you read that, that is my essence. That is my soul in that book because, uh, I tried the hardest I absolutely possibly could to write the most, uh, comprehensive, truthful, and easy to follow, easy to read and understand and internalize. And then you be able to talk about it after you read the book, then you knowing the concepts and understanding the concepts and under internalizing them and making this a simple pro, uh, a simple thing that I'm able to condense into 109 pages. And, you know, it's all like, it's, it's small writing, you know, it's like 10 point font or whatever on the pages. So it's, it's a lot of writing. It'll take you hours to read it. Uh, but the, the audio, there's an audio book of it too. And the audio book is six and a half, seven, seven hours long. So that's the length of the book, but I, I have to say, I am happy with Ultimate Guide to Roids, and I really feel good about um, the work uh, that, is, that is that book uh, coming from my mind. So let's get on with the, with the questions. The first question for today is, Rogue asks, what's your take on this cycle? 
200 milligrams testosterone sapionate, 300 milligrams equipoise, and 500 milligrams premable in an anthate for 16 weeks. I have AIs on hand, but figure I won't need them for this cycle. Yeah, this is a good cycle. You probably won't need AI except for maybe a half a tablet twice per week or something like that. Or, or like you said, maybe even none. Um, the way that you, you did the low testosterone, so you're pro I'm guessing that you're sensitive to testosterone side effects. You don't like to run uh, high testosterone because the first thing that I think when I see that is, okay, he's running one gram total of steroids. So he's running testosterone at the lowest dosage out of those three steroids that he's using. So that must be the one that he doesn't like. Uh, and then he's trying to, even though he doesn't like testosterone, and he must get side effects from that, he seems to be okay with Primobol and an equipoise, which he's using to really power his cycle. Putting that testosterone in there at a normal dose like that, 200 milligrams per week, that's more or less high natural levels. A high natural, like 18... 18-year-old guy, 17-year-old guy, 19-year-old guy. It's pretty close to their levels if they have uh, a high a high level. The guys with the highest range that are naturals in that age group will have roughly similar amount of testosterone as 200 milligrams cypionate per week. So that's a good replacement dose to be putting that testosterone in there. The thing with if with the testosterone is if you don't use any testosterone the cycle doesn't work nearly as well so testosterone is super synergistic with all the other steroids and it's a natural hormone so if you take that natural hormone and try to replace it with all artificial non-natural hormones the, the artificial non-natural hormones they generally don't work nearly as well as they do if you have like rogue here has at least 200 milligrams or so of testosterone in there per week it will make all your other steroids work exponentially better. That's why people say, like, don't run a cycle without testosterone. Because, you know, steroids are kind of lackluster in general without testosterone. The way around that is if somebody absolutely can't use testosterone, which, how does that even make sense if they went to a low enough dosage, like 100 milligrams per week or something? Because, like... You produce testosterone naturally. How could you be uh, so side effect prone and incompatible with your own natural body's hormone? So that makes me think that the people like that, you know, that really cannot use testosterone, that they're using underground lab testosterone with, uh, you know, synthetic carrier oils that are irritating and a bunch of other sterilization products that are shitty and not good for their system. And they're probably getting allergic to that. Because it doesn't make sense to be allergic to your own body's biologically natural hormone. Get some pharma-grade gear for those guys. But here with the cycle, other than the low testosterone, he's got Primobolin and Equipoise. Primobolin 500 milligrams and Equipoise 300 milligrams. So the, the next thing that I think is, hey, that's a great way to be able to run some Primobolin, but not break the bank. Because Primobolin is arguably the best steroid there really aren't many side effects at all, if you notice any or have any. Like, it's really superior. It's really superior. It doesn't, for most people, it does not cause any side effects. And, and no, no uh, 
you don't notice it outside of the gym. You only notice it in the gym and you notice it in an amazing way in the gym. <laughs> it's the ideal roid. Okay. It's the shit. Um, so it's a good thing to run that in your, in your stacks and, but it's expensive. You know, a lot of guys, you know, won't be able to get real legit primable in for less than around a hundred us dollars uh, for per 10 milliliters or so, uh, that's the general black market price of it. Um, and you know, a lot of it is fake. It's usually always fake. And even with reputable, you know, underground labs, um, you know, a lot of times they still are fake or they'll be underdosed. So it'll say something like, you know, a hundred milligrams per milliliter on the vial, but it's really only like 50 60 milligrams per milliliter or something and so when you use it next to the real thing there's a there's a huge difference now pharmaceutical grade primobolin is still being made it's being made in turkey and spain and it gets around the world the black market around the world it gets around uh the stuff from here but there's fakes okay and you can tell the difference between the fakes and the real ones pretty easily. So the real stuff is called Remobolin, okay, with no P. They changed the name, but it's still made by Bayer Sharing, the same company that's been making it since Arnold was using it in the 60s. They, Him and Franco Colombo used to bring it over in suitcases from Europe. They would, they would fly back to America with suitcases full of Bayer Sharing Primobolin, which is the, the brand name by bear sharing and then the uh the generic name of the chemical is metanolone or methanolone and it, it is a is great steroid but it's uh like i said it's expensive um and then this this sharing stuff the bear sharing remable and that's what it's called now that is legit when you uh hold it comes in ampules it's, it's one box uh, with one ampule inside. That's the way that the legit stuff comes. And the consistency of the steroid oil inside the ampule, an ampule is like a little glass bottle that you have to break in half in order to get the oil inside. And so the consistency of the oil in the Bayer Sharing Primobolin, or sorry, Remobolin, Remobolin is what they call it now, it is the consistency or the thickness of thick honey thick cold honey like honey that is not runny so when you turn the vial or the sorry the the ampule upside down it doesn't just immediately go to the other side it's like this slow stretching process that happens over way more than 15 seconds or something so if you have the the kind that just looks like regular like thin steroid oil where you turn the vial over and it immediately goes to the other side or you know it just kind of goes around the vial as you turn the vial that is not the that is a counterfeit that is a counterfeit remobolin the real remobolin which is pharmaceutical grade bayer sharing primobolin still produced today still available on the black market today and the same stuff that Arnold Schwarzenegger was using, I'm telling you, it is the shit. It is the best. It is the best steroid that is produced. It is the best. And it, <laughs> it is the consistency of like thick honey or molasses. It doesn't just move to the other side of the vial when you turn the vial over. It's this slow, stretching, moving process. <laughs> it's very thick oil, okay? That's the legit stuff. That's the real stuff. 
the fake stuff. I've seen fake Bayer Rima Bullen too. And it just went it went to the other side of the vial, just like any regular steroid oil. When the, when I turned it upside down, uh, yeah, that was some bullshit. So, yeah, definitely have experienced both personally, and uh, I know what I'm talking about here, guys. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about because here's the thing with Prima Bullen, is that it makes it so that your body doesn't lose any protein. So normally your body is doing this thing where the 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 way that they measure it in science tests is nitrogen. And so normally uh, nitrogen is being excreted in your shit all the time. And what steroids in general do is they slow down the uh, the excretion of nitrogen. They keep it in you, okay? And that's how you have uh, your body, uh, the steroids work to store more protein inside the body. If you have a positive nitrogen balance, meaning you're uh, gaining in nitrogen, then you have a that's like muscle growth right there that's like a, a clinical way of measuring it but if you're losing a lot of nitrogen then that's not good okay and you, you want to slow down the rate at which nitrogen leaves the body and gets used up metabolized as much as you can that's one of the main things that trenbolone does it it makes it so that uh it makes it so that protein does not leave the body it slows down and just halts the excretion of the uh of the protein from the body and holds onto the muscle. So, I mean, Primobulin was the shit as far as contest drug, the best that there was before as an injectable, the injectable component, because there is oil orals that are very important. But before Trembolone came out in the early sixties, well, Primobulin came out at the same time, but Trembolone wasn't so fully adopted. It's a, so this is why it's apples and oranges with, with Trembolone and Primobulin. Trembolone is the best steroid, hands down, okay? It just is. And there's nothing, there's uh, there, there's no arguing it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts, okay? But you're going to be like, oh, my my mental, you know, you're going to be like loving in my muscles. And then you're going to be like, oh, my mental health. Oh, my little testicles. Oh, my shrunken penis. Oh, my relationships. <laughs> and it's like everything's gonna fall apart okay the only good thing about trembolone is the muscles okay but so primobolin isn't as good as trembolone it's not as strong it doesn't keep muscle as well as trembolone does it does it keeps muscle on when dieting about equal uh but you have to use about twice the dosage for it to be equal so if you used 350 milligrams trembolone per week it takes about 700 milligrams of primobolin to have the same effect at just completely blocking any muscle loss whatsoever when on a calorie de deficit. Um, and of, of course, you can still go flat on either of those hormones, which means that's when you, you use up the glycogen, the, fuel, the stored carbohydrate and water fuel storage inside of your muscle cells during your workouts. And then you're not replacing it by eating carbohydrates in your diet and your liver can only manufacture glucose out of protein so fast, uh, which is not that fast in order to give your muscles some more fuel again after your workout, if you're not eating a lot of carbohydrates and yeah, so that's why when you're dieting, you get flat and you don't look as 3d and round, uh, and shapely. It looks like you lose muscle, but that's not losing muscle. The muscle is just going into hibernation. As soon as you eat high carb diet, uh, with a lot of calories for three days again, it comes right back. So that that's covering what is and isn't muscle loss on a diet. 
And then, you know, covering the reasons why Primo Bullen is so good. No sexual side effects, no mood side effects, um, gains in the gym, great pumps in the gym, great cosmetic look to the body, um, great fat burner, steroid. It, and it makes everything good. It's It doesn't have, like, bad health effects on your blood work and stuff like that either. Some people get a, a little bit of cholesterol or blood lipid um, stuff coming a little bit off on it. That's pretty much the only side effect that anyone gets that I hear of on Primable in, in their blood work. And then it, so it provides those great effects in the gym without providing any of these shit side effects. And that's what makes it better than Trenbolone. It is the replacement for Trenbolone. Like when I decided I didn't want to use Tren anymore, and then I started experimenting with Primobolin and was like blown away. That was a thing was I was saying, okay, well, this is awesome because if you take something like a thousand milligrams per week of Primobolin, yeah, it more or less has pretty much identical effects to 350 milligrams of Trenbolone per week. Like it's nearly, a, it's the cosmetic effect isn't the same. But the effects on your your body, your your bodybuilding, you know, your your metabolism, and your workouts, the way your body processes food, everything, your body composition, that's roughly the same. Um, a thousand milligrams of Primobolin compared to three fifty milligrams Trenbolone per week, and it, Primobolin's got its own look. It doesn't quite look so square and boxy like Trenbolone looks. It looks more round. But, I mean, I'm splitting hairs here, guys. I'm splitting hairs saying that. But those are the reasons why people want to use Primobolin. And then it's expensive, like I was mentioning earlier. And so Rogue here that asked the question, he's got a great way of putting Primobolin in his cycle. And then, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe not. He wants to, uh, you know, he's on a budget or something with his cycle. So then he adds 300 milligrams of equipoise per week, which is another anabolic uh, that doesn't have bad health side effects being taken long term and puts it in there with his Primobolin to make testosterone, equipoise, and Primobolin equal 1,000 milligrams per week, which that's sort of the threshold for if you want to be one of the big, super jacked guys in your gym, 1,000 milligrams total anabolics per week is pretty much, unless you're using Trenbolone, the only way that you will ever get to that point. Uh, that That's like the threshold dosage that needs to be broken for most people. 1 to 1.5 grams, somewhere in that dosage range, is the threshold dosage that for the majority of people that want to like take it to that level where they're like, got like really dense thick massive muscles and they're one of the you know real big guys the really jack dudes in the gym and the strongest dudes uh you know they need to be taking this is a realistic number okay and most this is what most of them are taking uh well at the least is what i'm saying they could be taking more but this is the threshold it's got to be this or more and this is a good dosage you don't need more for the most part uh 1.5 grams that's a really really good dosage 1.5 grams total and one one gram about that would be you know really on the lowest end of the spectrum for most people 
I know you guys will hear a lot of things in other places um, on the internet. Unfortunately, you know, the other things that you hear are the ways that it is are not true and people are not being truthful. So my data is coming from actual people that I've met over my bodybuilding lifetime, which I've been doing that for more than 14 years now. And, you know, this is the way it is. <laughs> like, you know, this is real life. This is not on the virtual reality, on the computer. This is not on the computer. This is the way that it's happening really in real life, okay, in the gyms. So that's that, guys. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. So, yeah, I think that sounds like a great cycle. All right, next question. Arapis asks, how long does it take Anadrol to kick in? It takes about two or three days. I mean, you could feel it on the first 50 milligram tablet. Anadrol should be taken at a mi minimum of 50 milligrams per day. That is the minimum dosage that was ever prescribed to anyone. The the minimum unit uh, pill that ever was made of Anadrol, the original Anadrol that got made pharmaceutical grade in the 60s starting then, 50 milligram tablet. That was the lowest dose. Anadrol should be taken in 50 milligram tablets, 50 milligram at the least. So that's what I think about Anadrol. And if you take it like that, yeah, you'll probably feel a little something after the first tablet, actually, a few hours after taking it. Uh, but, you know, you're not going to be seeing any changes. And it could make you be able to push maybe an extra two and a half or five pounds or so on any exercise, taking it a few hours pre-workout on the first time in the gym, but it's not like you're going to be pushing 20 pounds more weight for the same amount of reps as the, as if you weren't using it. I'm talking like maybe, maybe two and a half more pounds or so, or five pounds or so for the, you know, a couple sets during your workout that you might've otherwise not been able to hit for the same amount of reps as you did the last workout without it. Um, and yeah, it, it kicks in in two to three days. You start seeing major cosmetic changes to your body growing way bigger overnight as your body holds on to water and carbohydrate fuel storage inside the muscle cells. Uh, it does not cause a lot of bloat and it's fully kicked in in seven, about seven to 10 days at the maximum after you st start taking those tablets. It's fully kicked in seven to 10 days. So that's how Anadrol kicks in. Ashley asks, hi, mate, super book and loving the podcast. I'm into running. Aside from EPO, what steroids would help cardio? EPO, guys, is an injection that makes your body increase its red blood cell count. And when you increase the amount of red blood cells you have in your blood, it makes your blood thicker. And it also, because it makes it denser per volume, it's still the same volume of blood, but there's more red blood cells packed into that same volume. But red blood cells carry oxygen. And so if you have more red blood cells, you have more oxygen. And that's why runners use this, uh, runners and cyclists and mostly endurance sports athletes use this performance-enhancing drug called EPO. And EPO, erythropoietin, it increases, it's a drug that pharmacologically increases the amount of red blood cells. What they used to do was blood doping where they would uh, have a, you know, months before the competition, they'd take their blood and then uh, 
free, you know, put it in the fridge and store it. And then, you know, a few months later when they were going to do their competition, you know, then they'd put extra blood, you know, their own blood that they were storing. They'd put extra blood back into them the day before the contest to give them an advantage, having more blood and then putting, of course, more red blood cells into them. Other people go to high altitude where there's less oxygen in the air. So their blood compensates by making more red blood cells. And then they come back down to do the competition at a lower altitudes with more red blood cells in their blood because they were training at a high altitude for a month before the competition or whatever. These are different ways that people have increased their, uh, increased their cardio, you know, for cardio, I find is a cup of black coffee before cardio. That's the best, that's the best, uh, stimulant for coffee or for cardio for running doing cardiovascular exercise coffee goes best when you don't drink it every day you know three or four days a week maximum that's how you get the best effects out of coffee and you can use it to help you like not eat on as much on certain days and have energy still and get the kind of euphoric effects that it has and the good mind stimulating idea effects I know coffee every day is kind of a cultural thing and I'll admit I've definitely done years of coffee every day. Uh, but currently, you know, I don't do that. Um, I don't do coffee every day, but I, I love coffee and I like to drink it, you know, two or three or four times per week. Um, sometimes I do up to five days per week, but having some days off of the caffeine really, um, we all know, we all know that that makes it way better. So I'm always trying to figure out what is the sweet spot with each uh, chemical and try and stick to that so that, uh, you know, you never want chemicals to control you. You always want to be in full control of them. And I've found that so I'm, whenever I introduce something to my body, like caffeine, for example, that has great benefits and helps me work harder and everything uh, and have great ideas and feel good and makes music and dancing more fun, etc., I found that the best effects from that come with two or three or four days using it per week. Okay, the next question is from Coolio. Drink a water here. And Coolio asks, Bro, how come my dick seems smaller on trend and how can I prevent the night sweats? All right, the penis has androgen receptors in it that have receptors for male hormones. And it also has estrogen receptors and progesterone receptors like all cells in your body do. So trenbolone is kind of a jack of all spades hormone. Yeah, it stimulates the androgen receptor really, really hard. As hard as the most potent male natural hormone, dihydrotestosterone. But trenbolone also stimulates estrogen and progesterone receptors. And for progesterone especially, it stimulates that, that receptor pretty good. And so you get uh, all these different signals in your penis with trenbolone. And so it makes your penis malfunction. <laughs> yeah. If you take enough trenbolone, it won't really matter. And I'm talking more than a gram per week. I'm talking more than a gram per week. Um, and for this effect to, you know, totally come on and there's no getting out of it, 
This comes on at about 2,000 milligrams per week. For most, some can get away with it. Complete chemical castration and sexual dysfunction, inability to get an erection, it's not possible, and inability to orgasm, it's not possible. Even if you're running Cabergolin or Pramipexil with the Trembolone. So that's the reality because of the jack-of-all-spades hormone receptor stimulator that Trembolone is. That's the reality when you go up high enough in the dosages because you're giving your penis mixed signals with all that trend, bro. So best way to not have a smaller dick on trend, don't take trend because it's not a big difference, okay? It's just that it's maybe a 15 or 10% difference. It's not a big difference, but it's a little bit smaller in length and girth, and this happens with everyone, and if they say that it's not, I'm sorry, they're lying, okay? That's, you know, it's very obvious to know why a bodybuilder, you know, that is projecting the image of a strong, healthy man would not want to, you know, be talking about dysfunctional penis on him, you know, it's, it's not congruent psychologically with the character that is a bodybuilder. Uh, but yeah, the penis does gets it doesn't get as big when it gets erect on trend, and uh, trend also really shrinks your balls so more than any other steroid. Um, like you know when they talk about like raisins or like or like these small nuts. Or something. <laughs> you know all the bad steroid side effects. You know all the really uh, you know bad stereotypes. Those are all from trend. Trend rage, trend abuser. Uh, they, it really is the epitome of the stereotypes of steroid use. You know, it does turn your balls into raisins, like especially if you don't use ca- cabergolin or pramipexil. Like, and even when you do, um, it it's more like you know they might be sixty percent or seventy percent their natural size when you do use trembolin, uh, when you do use cabergolin or pramipexil. But if you don't, I mean, they can be like you know definitely less than half their natural size. And, you know, I hear this frequently with guys saying that they lose their testicles. Like, they go up inside of them, and they have an empty sack, and they don't know where their balls are. They're they're still there. They're not destroyed. You know, they're still there, but they're no longer in their ball sack. They, like, retract it back up to them. And I'm not kidding you. This, dude, I really have had, it's mostly old guys that have told me this, guys that are, you know, around 50 years old or so, but some guys that have been around 30 years old have told me this too. So it's not just restricted to the older guys uh, that, you know, they don't know where their balls are and they have an empty sack. Their balls are still there, but they, you know, they, they haven't, they haven't stopped the trend, you know, for years and, or at least not frequently, you know, they're trend abusers. They're trend abusers. Let's put it that way. They're a trend abuser. Trend abusers generally have penis that doesn't work very well penis that is smaller than what their normal natural penis would be and really shrunken testicles and uh, sometimes up inside their body sometimes an empty sack there's no way to prevent night sweats on trenbolone other than not eating the yeah if you don't eat then your body temperature cools okay but what happens is you sweat when you're taking trend you sweat in your bed and then once you're wet like that, then it starts to get freaking freezing because it all evaporates off your body. It's like an air conditioner blowing on you in the middle of the night out of nowhere. 
Yeah, night sweats freaking suck. The best thing to do if you if you get a horrible night sweat and you wake up shivering and like feeling like total hell in the middle of the night on Tremblone, best thing to do is go take a hot shower. Just walk out of the freaking bed and get in the hot shower and put yourself out of that misery and suffering, okay? <laughs> Fuck trend. Fuck trend. This is why I'm saying Primo is the shit. Primo bowling, okay? <laughs> Uh, by the way, the minimum dosage for Primobulin to be effective is about 400 milligrams per week. If it's less than three or 400 milligrams per week, it's more like not really worth running. Like, like two, I mean, 200 milligrams is the absolute minimum, but don't be expecting anything out of that. You know, but it, it's probably doing a little th- something back there. But, you know, for you to actually notice anything, 400 milligrams per week is about the threshold. Okay, the next question is from Ryan. Would high rep pump workouts be good for muscle growth on gear? I was wondering if the blood flow would bring more drugs to the muscles, resulting in more muscle growth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they are good. High rep pump workouts are good, but you have to be improving your performance in the gym. A lot of people think that lifting heavy means improving your performance in the gym. And not lifting heavy, lifting the pump way means not improving your performance and just doing whatever, getting a blood flow. Okay, well, it doesn't really matter what uh, what type of guy you want to be. The main thing is that whichever type you choose, you're increasing the reps and weights frequently, okay? That doesn't... and. Or, or the amount of time that the set lasts or the, you know, increasing the amount of control that you have over time progressively on the weight. There are different ways to do the overload to the muscle, but you can't, you know, you can't just lift the same amount of weights and, and get a pump, you know, and, and be like, oh, I just trained, you know, totally instinctively for the pump only. Uh, and, and I never, you know, I've been using the same weights and doing the same amount of reps for the last two years. And why aren't I getting bigger? (laughs) That dude, you have to have all phases of bodybuilding. You have to be doing the diet, the training and the supplementation. Okay. Or else for the vast majority of people that don't have the, you know, the elite genetics that, you know, they started out naturally already like looking ripped and shit. And then they just take steroids and get a little bit bigger muscles and look like fucking insane. Okay. Uh, but you know, other than those people, the majority of guys is going to have to optimize their training, their diet and their PEDs, performance enhancing drugs, steroids, growth hormone, etc. They're going to have to optimize all three. That's the way that it is. And anybody that wants to reach their potential, you can't cut out any one of those three. Those are the essential components of bodybuilding. If you're interested in bodybuilding and you say, hey, I want to be a bodybuilder or I want to do bodybuilding or I want to change the body way my body looks in the gym, okay? Well, then you get, you better freaking make sure that you are willing to do the diet, the training, and the supplementation aspects of this or else, you know, it's not going to be a good investment of time and you should go do swimming or something instead because you'd probably get a better body and have a better fitness too and it would be healthier. So this is really, uh, it's a serious, this is serious. Yeah, it's serious. So for for Ryan, yeah, do the pump. I know you were talking about the blood flow and everything, but you know, that that matters a bit, but that that is like not a big deal. That is not a so much of a big deal Uh, it's a side effect of good things happening that's what it is for the most part it's a side effect of good things happening uh but the the indicator that you use 
to say, am I progressing as a bodybuilder? Uh, am I progressing as a weightlifter, as a gym goer? Am, am I doing what I need to do? Am I getting what I need to get out of training in order to become a better bodybuilder, improve my body? Am I completing the training component of diet training steroids? Okay, what you need to do, <laughs> whether you're using light weights and getting a, more of a pump or you're using heavier weights and getting less of a pump, you got to make sure that either you've got to make sure that you're increasing the workload over time, man. That's that's it. That is what training is. And so the normal methods of doing that are increasing the amount of weight you lift during your workouts for the same amount of reps as previous workouts, but more weight or using the same amount of weight as the last workouts, but more doing more reps with it. Or uh, another way is having better control or making the set last longer. That's another way to do it. There are other ways to do it too, but you got to make sure that you're doing something. That's how you get when you say, are you doing a good diet, a training, and steroids? The first thing that you have to monitor is whether or not you're improving in the gym over time in these things, whether you're lifting heavy or light. Okay? There's no other way around it. Okay, next question is from Joe. He says, have a question for the podcast. I'm on TRT through my doctor and run two big cycles a year. Usually incorporate equipoise for a long 16-week run. I was wondering if equipoise shows up as testosterone on a blood test. Also wondered if primabolin shows up as testosterone as well. Forgot to add that I'd like to run equipoise or primabolin a little bit longer into my mandatory blood work draws every six months. Because he wants to keep on taking them until closer to his mandatory blood work draws with his TRT doctor. So he's kind of wondering, like, you know, if he should if there's a way that he can take it for longer without having to come off to like be clean for that test. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, any steroid really can show up on those, on those tests. You, for the most part, usually they don't really, the other steroids don't really show up on the tests, but they do sometimes like Trenbolone shows up at est as estrogen for most people's um, blood tests. They'll have a high estrogen level, but, on the blood test, but no estrogen symptoms, but, and they're running Trembolone and it's just because it's a false reading. The blood test picks up that Trembolone is estrogen. And so that's one example, but it happens, it can happen for any steroid. So if you're ever on cycle and you go take a blood test with a doctor, they'll know. <laughs> All right. They'll know. So, <laughs> Three or four weeks before you get the test. You know, there's a difference between taking a piss test where they actually test for metabolites and when the drug is, you know, active or inactive in your system. Uh, so three or four weeks after your last shot of Primobolin and Equipoise, they're not really doing anything in there anymore. They're pretty much out. There, There's there's some metabolites left that, that are like byproducts of those drugs that are still in your system. Byproducts. They're, they're, they're uh, chemicals that are partially metabolized. They've been, your body has started to get rid of the hormone and these are the byproducts from destroying it. 
this kind of stuff, metabolites. And they also have some effects, but generally not really. But so they're like daughter, daughter hormones or, or daughter son hormones of the parent hormone. That's another way to say it. The parent steroid that you injected, but three or four weeks after your last injection, they don't, they're not doing anything for the most part in your body anymore. And if you go take a test where they're not, you know, testing you for steroids, but they're testing you to make sure if your, you know, TRT is going good or anything, you'd want to err on the side of caution with that. So, I mean, for me personally, I would do that at least, I would stop my last injection at least four or five weeks to make sure it was not doing anything in me and that my blood work looked all good so that they didn't be like, oh, what the hell, the the testosterone is is screwing this guy up or whatever, you know, and, and then fuck up my TRT. So that that's how I would do it. Okay, the next question is from Lloyd, who asks, I recently saw the compound methyltrimbalone, methyldeca, uh... It, oh, it's it's an oral. Okay, so he found a, an oral steroid that is three milligrams methyltrenbolone and three milligrams methyldeca um, that he wants to buy from some, some... Okay, he's looking at it and he's interested in it, okay, of something. And he says that he saw it on a forum. Is this methyltren and methyldeca combined? Is it liquid or tablet oral or injectable can you explain the benefits and negative aspects of using this compound please uh, yeah so this is not a useful compound so yeah methyltremblone works okay and three milligrams is an extremely strong dose it's you you know one milligram is an extremely strong dose but like uh like we all know there are steroid users and there are steroid abusers, and there's everywhere in between, okay? <laughs> and below, it's 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 a crapshoot. But this is one of those ones that methyltremblone and methyldeca, two milligrams. Okay, this is not what your physique heroes have used to build their physiques, okay? Yes, they work. They're very powerful, yes. But this is not what your physique heroes, the guys that you saw when you started bodybuilding, or are your goals to look like, you know, or even, you know, Mr. Olympia even, you know, and, and you, and you say, I, I want to be like, like this when, and that's your goal or whatever. This is not the chemicals that they used to make that happen. So this is going to be a chemical, uh, methyl trend and methyl deca stack in one oral, uh, tablet. No good. No good. It's going to be very strong. It's going to have a lot of side effects. Yes, it will work to put on massive strength and size it's going to have massive health side effects um you know probably more strong than any other steroid you've ever taken before if you take it on a regular basis the health effects will most likely be the most severe um just to let you know uh methyltrenbolone has never been um used in humans or or even animals um it, it's only used by scientists in laboratories as the gold standard for comparing all other steroids to I mean, it's estimated to bind to the androgen receptor something like 17,000 times stronger than testosterone per milligram. So what they do, they've never, scientists have never discovered any chemical that attaches to the androgen receptor as strongly as methyltremblone. And so then 
when they're comparing the strengths of different, uh, you know, male hormone receptor stimulators that they discover or they're testing or they're researching, they always compare it to methyltremblone, okay? And they've never used it in animals, never used it in humans. It's never, it's never been used other than just these experiments. But you got guys wanting to take this for bodybuilding, okay? This is not, this is not how you do bodybuilding, okay? If you want to take it some time and feel like, and... You know, just know what it's like. You're curious to know what the most strongest thing on earth is. You can take it, but these things, you know, methyltremblone for one, it has more of the effect of taking cocaine or methamphetamine or recreational drugs than it does of being, you know, looking like someone took steroids. Um, clenched fists, clenched jaw, dismissive. Talking gibberish, extreme adrenaline, significantly stronger within two or three hours after taking it. You know, move, being able to do a lot more, a lot more reps with the same amount of weight than if not, and quite a lot more um, weight too. Not not a huge amount more, but you know, more. And then uh, the the person's eyes, you know, like the the pupils are pinned like tiny black pins it, it really looks like they're on cocaine or methamphetamine you know honestly co co you know it's very liver toxic too it's very liver toxic and if this stuff ruins people's blood work it just ruins it okay so <laughs> i don't even want to say this but i'm tempted to even say like maybe even cocaine or methamphetamine would give you the same get the same damn effect and and be le uh less less health threatening i don't know that's probably not true that's probably not true but i felt tempted i felt tempted to say it <laughs> this stuff is not useful this stuff is not useful if you have to try it because you're curious it's up to you but this stuff is not useful okay the next question is from big chev who asks question my man i'm planning on doing my first cycle soon I'm just going to be doing 250 milligrams of testosterone and anthate a week for 10 weeks. And my source is telling me I just need HCG for PCT since I'm just doing tests. Is he correct? Should I also get an anti-estrogen just to be safe? Well, in general, whenever you take any steroids, you should have anti-estrogen with you before you start the cycle. Just because they can be unpredictable and the chance of something like, you know, growing a lump under your nipple that stays with you until you get it cut out by surgery can happen if you wait a week after you get side effects to get that anti-estrogen in there like you got to hit it like with it you know it won't be you know gyno it doesn't appear permanently overnight if you hit it with an anti-estrogen you know after you start to get side effects burning itching or you know some kind of swelling under there or something if you take an anti-estrogen tablet eczemestane uh or aromas yeah so aromasin that's the same thing or arimidex and astrazole or letrozole brand name femera uh, if you take one of those tablets within 48 hours of starting to experience gyno symptoms you're not going to have permanent gyno okay you know i can you know Try to do it within 24 hours, okay? But if, you know, 48 hours being the limit, you're not, as long as you can get that tablet in your body within that time, you know, you're not really going to be experiencing any 
permanent gyno stuff, okay? So that's sort of the amount of time that you have. So that's why it's just unwise to take steroids without having anti-estrogens on hand. You need to have them with you. My advice and and what I would I would never take steroids without having an anti-estrogen tablet on hand, on hand, having it accessible to me immediately if I need it. I would never do that. I would never do that. So that's that's my my answer is because even though you're running a low dose of testosterone, 250 milligrams test D per week, yeah, you're probably not going to need much anti-estrogen. You'll probably be okay taking none. But me personally, I would be way more comfortable on, I don't know, one or two tablets, maybe split in half or something of anti-estrogen, any, any of the three anti-estrogens, one or two tablets or so per week. I would, that would make me more comfortable and just feel better on 250 milligrams testosterone and anthate per week. But I aromatize pretty pretty much. The aromatase enzyme, the enzyme in your body that transforms uh, testosterone into estrogen, I produce more of that than the average guy. So that's just me. But the thing is, is that you don't want to mess around with this. So that that's why I'm talking about you need to have the freaking anti-estrogen, okay? You might not need it. You might be okay, but it's just not wise to take a cycle, especially your first cycle, without having one because you have no idea what's going to happen. You, that, that's one of the things that you learn as soon as you take steroids is, wow, I knew nothing about steroids before I started taking steroids. Even, you know, you've done all this reading and studying and, and shit. It's like, wow, that's one of the first things you freaking realize <laughs> within like days of starting. It's like, wow, I did not know shit about steroids. All right. So the HCG for PCT that's the best PCT drug. If you can only find one drug for PCT, HCG is the best one. That's how doctors, when you go to a fertility clinic and you're infertile and you have hypogonadism and they're trying to get you uh, fertile again, the first thing that they'll normally do and the studies that have guys, you know, that, that are, have been done that show guys that had shut down from steroids and then, you know, got their fertility back were always being used HCG in order to accomplish that purpose. Anywhere between two to three to five, even up to 10,000 milligrams in these studies per week of HCG, you know, used for periods of, you know, up to three months straight, anywhere from, you know, a few weeks up to three, three months straight. That's what they did. That's what the doctors did. Okay. Uh, in those, in those studies that worked and did reverse guys who had, you know, long-term shut down reproductive systems and shrunken testicles long-term from steroids. HCG is the best PCT drug, generally taken at two to 3,000 IUs per week in 1,000 IU shots, you know, two or three times per week, doing that three, four, five weeks, six weeks or so. Generally, that'll get your reproductive system going full on. And you know what the great thing about HCG is too, is that as soon as you start taking that stuff, within two or three days, you've got high natural testosterone levels being pumped out by your testicles, okay? So there is no downtime. There is no lag as the testicles recover and, you know, start slowly producing testosterone again. No. Two or three days after you start on that HCG, your, your testicles are freaking pumping out testosterone at high natural levels. So it's the best PCT drug. You know, another good PCT drug is Clomid and third, Nolvidex. Tamoxifen, uh, Clomid, something around 50 milligrams per day, four weeks or so, and Nolvidex, 20 to 40 milligrams per day, four weeks or so. 
You guys notice that I say generally and or so? That's because these things are not the uh, super important things. When you think about, oh, this is the way it needs to be done in order to make the best physique or make the best gains or have the best health effects or something like that, it you got to pay attention more to the big details rather than these kind of minor details. And that's why I say things to you like generally or something like that, stuff like that. Because I'm trying to help you understand this concept of what is important with the steroid cycles and what is not so important, what is insignificant. That's why I'm doing that for you. All right, next question is from Cher who asks, Hey Dan, I came off cycle about three weeks ago. I think my body had a bad reaction to whatever kind of carrier oil they were using in the gear. But my leg was crazy inflamed and very painful. It's much better now. That's there's just a small bump there now and I can move around unlike before I was using gear from an underground lab Okay, yeah, this happens a lot of underground labs have started using Underground lab UGL is how it's abbreviated online uh, it means you know somebody decides that they're gonna break the law and you know make steroids and sell steroids, you know since that's illegal in most places so it's like being a drug dealer for steroids or whatever. That's, you know, the person who's taking the powder that they get shipped in from China and then they put it into bottles and then, you know, and then they, they sell it on the black market. That's what a, a underground lab is. And personally, I don't use these anymore after my fucking leg thing happened where my fucking leg got necrotic, necrosis with a flesh-eating bacteria from a UGL. And I was just like, fuck, dude. Like, that was pretty irresponsible of me. Like, I know a lot of people are using UGLs and everything, but that doesn't matter. It's it's my, it's me. And, and you know, you got to ask yourself sometimes, when you're doing, like, bodybuilding and stuff, unless, you, you want to sometimes think about, what would my grandma say? Or what would, <laughs> you know, what would my mom say? Or something like that. You know, you, you do want to ask yourself, you know, questions like, what would those who love me say if they knew exactly what I was doing? And and so you want to sometimes, you know, be realistic so that you can uh, maintain the right perspective about, you know, what you're doing. And, and so, I mean, you know, I almost died from using UGL gear. And, and you know, that wouldn't have happened if it would have been pharmaceutical-grade gear. So I had to decide a, a way to make that never happen again. And so the way that, you know, I've decided to reduce that risk to like basically nil, you know, not 100% nil, but basically nil and still be a realistic with this is my job. This is how I make my income and everything. Um, you know, now I'm not giving myself any injections that are not coming from pharmaceutical grade gear that, you know, would be administered to a person in a hospital. You know, it's meant for humans and it's, you know, used by doctors somewhere in the world uh, in hospitals. Okay. So that's what I'm doing in order to make that risk go to nil, uh, with injections, because, you know, personally, I can't take that risk to ever have what happened to my leg happen again. It's Russian roulette. You know, I'm not the only person who's got ever gotten infection from steroids. Okay. That were from underground labs. I am not the only person. So it happens to people. It's Russian roulette. Is it likely? No, it's probably not likely to happen to you. 
Does it happen to people? Yeah. And it might be you. It was me. Okay. So that's why I've decided no, no more, no more. You know what? If I got another infection from using UGL gear again, I would be ashamed of myself. I would be ashamed of myself. I'm making sure that doesn't happen. Okay. Next question is from Coolio. He asks, question to you, brother. When do you usually see strength gains from Trenace? I've been running it over a little week. Haven't really been getting stronger. Just been getting side effects. Yeah. Usually the cosmetic effects of Trenbolone come on about three or four days after the first injection. If you're taking around 100 milligrams every other day or so. So 350 milligrams per week. Usually if people take under this dose, they have lackluster results uh, in comparison to their expectations. So if you have legit properly dosed Trenbolone and you're taking it at less than 350 milligrams or 300 milligrams or so per week, generally their expectations about what Tren is are not going to be met by their cycle. So that that's... You know, 350 milligrams or 300 milligrams or so per week. That's the minimum that you can... I mean, it works under that dose. It definitely works. But for the reputation that Trenbolone has and making you feel like you experience the full effect, you know, it's not a a, a letdown or something. So you didn't say what your dosage is, but I got to throw that in there for you. And... Yeah, within within three or four days, it really starts kicking in about that third or fourth day. Uh, Trenbolone acetate, that is. And after a week, man, absolutely. After seven days, 14 days, so one or two weeks is done. Dude, that shit is freaking making big changes to the way that your body looks and your performance in the gym. Mind you, though. There's a limit to how much muscle and strength you can gain without eating more calories than is necessary and gain, gaining weight. Like, no steroid, not even trend, works as well as it can to make gains unless you're eating a hypercaloric diet, meaning more calories than you need. That's how you make steroids. Okay, a lot of guys say, what's the best fat-burning steroid? Well, first thing i got to tell you is that, yeah, steroids can help with burning fat. They do. They can. Okay. But steroids aren't fat burners. Okay. Steroids are bulking agents. They help you gain weight. They help you gain weight, not lose weight. Losing weight on the scale is how you lose fat in huge amounts, not by recompositioning. Okay. That's how you use, lose fat in small amounts. And yeah, steroids do help your body composition. They help you lose fat in small amounts and gain muscle. Okay. But they don't help you lose large amounts of fat. And that's, you got to lose weight on the scale. That's how you lose large amounts of fat. And unfortunately, there is no way around that. (laughs) That is a hard rule. All right. So, yeah, it kicks in seven to ten days maximum, pretty much, after you start taking the injections. You're going to be noticing, you know, visual changes and, uh, you know, strength changes, performance changes in the gym. You feel like an animal on the gym on trend. Dude, trend makes you kind of like high in the gym in a way. It makes you get a really good adrenaline feeling when you're working out and you just feel like a god and like so cocky and and like the way that you look, it just your reflection back in the mirror, it's like 
Adonis or something. So, <laughs> like I said, this stuff seduces a lot of bodybuilders. All right, next question. Johnson asks, does HGH give you any permanent gains? And as far as side effects goes, aside from organ enlargement, are there any other permanent side effects? Good question. Um, yeah, it does give some permanent like changes to the way that your muscles look and everything. But, you know, it doesn't just uh, make you, you know, if you stop taking performance enhancing drugs, but you did a bunch of, um, you know, growth hormone when you stop taking performance enhancing drugs, you're not going to still look like you're on drugs. Okay. Growth hormone won't cause that. It won't cause you to look like you're a bodybuilder on drugs. If you're not on drugs. <laughs> so I think that's probably what you're kind of getting at. But if you do continue using drugs and you drop out the growth hormone, yeah, it has a cosmetic effect that drops out. But if you're still on the steroids, the growth hormone has an effect on your physique that sticks around longer term. And it, I mean, dude, growth hormone is so valuable. Growth hormone, I mean, testosterone is the most valuable. Uh, steroids are more valuable. Um, if you had to just choose one or the other, yeah, steroids are more valuable. But, I mean, growth hormone is not that far behind. Growth hormone is freaking amazing in combination with steroids. So, um, my opinion is, I mean, getting four, having four IUs of pharmaceutical-grade growth hormone per day is freaking sweet. That changes bodybuilding. That completely changes bodybuilding. But two IU, that's enough to be like, damn this stuff is fucking sick and it, and it even has a cosmetic effect changes the way that you look so it, if it's pharmaceutical grade it doesn't ha even have to be that much just two i use per day and it makes a huge difference um but the permanent gains that you're looking for as in like it changes the the shape of your muscle somewhat and helps you gain more muscle cells and to just get bigger overall um but it does not make you look like you're on drugs if you're not on drugs. So if you stop taking drugs and you took a bunch of growth hormone, then you stop taking drugs. <laughs> you're not going to look like you're on drugs. There's no way you can do that without taking drugs. Okay. And uh, as far as permanent side effects go, yeah, like you said, beside organ enlargement, it's got it's got side effects with enlarging things. So things can enlarge when you're taking growth hormone. And... Uh, that's that. The other side effects that it has is water retention and uh, it can increase your blood pressure because of that. And it can do some things like uh, it can have some nerve effects, some more longer term nerve effects like uh, some tingling or uh, falling asleep of your muscles in your hands or your feet or your elbows, stuff like that. Um, like, a, and, and there can be some, some bits of nerve, nerve tingling stuff that happens, uh, you know, for a, a year or two or six months or so after you stop using the growth hormone. And generally that goes away, you know, after, as that happens. But other than that, not really. Okay. The next question is from July and he says, hi, I was wondering if an anovar only cycle would affect erections and libido. Yeah, it would because the, the anovar. So if you take a little bit of anovar, something like 20 milligrams per day, and you normally don't take steroids. So you're like natural. It won't completely shut off your testosterone. Usually it'll make your, your natural testosterone go to something like, you know, around 50% of its natural levels or so while you're using the anovar. So it decreases it. And then if you start using more, milligrams of anovar to make up for that 
then it does shut off your natural testosterone production. So if you're like, oh, well, since, you know, I took, you know, some Anivar and then my testosterone went down. Well, now, you know, it's not giving me that much of a benefit because it took away some of my testosterone and then I'm basically replacing it with a little bit of Anivar, you know, 10, 20 milligrams or whatever. And so then you're like, well, now I'm going to take 100 milligrams to make up for, you know, the (laughs) testosterone being on. Well, now you're making zero testosterone. And so now your sex drive is going to be in the shit. And your erection also is going to be in the shit because the Anivar, it can't produce any estrogen. And you got to have estrogen for proper brain function and feeling normal. And for your libido and penis to work, you got to have a little bit of estrogen in your body to make that happen and make the whole process work right. So, you you know, if you can even take HCG with your freaking Anivar, that will solve the problem, okay? If you really just cannot get testosterone, then if you could just take HCG at two to 3,000 IUs, uh, intramuscular injection, uh, two to three times per week with your Anivar. Problem solved, problem solved. And you can take your Anivar and not have libido issues. But if you take HCG, again, make sure, and if you take steroids in general, make sure to have that freaking anti-estrogen tablet on hand because you don't want to end up with freaking tits, dude, freaking breasts. That's not why you're doing this, okay? If you're going to do the steroids, you can't skimp out on that part. I would never do that people (laughs) okay next question is oh it's a cycle question it's i'm not sure who it's from actually oh it's from jerry question for you i'm currently running 500 sustenon per week with 300 milligrams rip mix okay um trend testosterone propionate mastron propionate Okay, so I'm guessing it's 300 milligrams of each of those per week with a... Okay, he's running th- 300 milligrams Trenbolone, Testosterone Propionate, and ma- Mastron per week. And he's... So that's a total of 900 milligrams per week. And in addition to that, he's running 500 milligrams Sustanon per week. So it's a total of 1,400 milligrams of steroids per week. And he's also running D-Ball 50 milligrams per day at the same time which is another 350 milligrams per week. So he's at 1,750 milligrams total steroids per week. Um, He says that he's had really good results, gained 17 to 18 pounds and really good strength. He only has tamoxifen for an anti-estrogen. Should he be using something different? And how much could he increase these numbers except the D-ball if he's handling the side effects well? So how much could he increase the milligrams of the steroids that he's using if he is handling the side effects well. Well, you know, if somebody wanted to go increasing the dosage, they could increase the dosage by one milliliter or so per week, or, you know, each injection, increase the dosage of each injection by half a milliliter or so. Um, That's generally the way that that goes, and then titrating upwards with the dosages. You know, once you get up to around 700 milligrams of Trenbolone per week and above, dude, life isn't comfortable. So that's pretty much how that goes. Uh, with the Nolvidex, it seems, I guess you're not having estrogen side effects and you're just using Nolvidex. The best way to limit estrogen side effects is Aromacin or Letrozole or Arimidex because those reduce the level of estrogen in your body. But Nolvidex, Tamoxifen, only blocks the estrogen receptor so you still have high estrogen levels in your body but the estrogen receptor is blocked
and it's not healthy to have high estrogen levels. So it's always best to use one of the regular aromatase inhibitors, Arimidex, Aromacin, or Letrozole to take care of estrogen. Okay, next question is from Kevin. Hi, bra. First off, love the podcast and the book, Ultimate Guide to Roids. It has given me so much valuable information. Question for your podcast. What is your recommended cutting cycle for beginners? Seems like everybody online is saying different shit. I'm thinking about different dosages and compounds. What do you think about testosterone combined with Winstrol, Mastron, and a little bit of Trend? Too much? Yeah, you have the best steroids there for fat burning, you could say. You know, arguably Superdrol is a better uh, steroid for fat burning than Winstrol, and pretty much equal for a hardening effect, but um, but not quite as good as Winstrol for that hardening effect. Uh, the, the cosmetic effect of looking more defined, not quite as good, but almost as good Superdrol is. And it's probably a better recomposition agent, but it's very toxic, and Winstrol is still toxic, but it's less toxic. You can take Winstrol for, you know, 50 milligrams for 8 to 12 weeks before getting sick for most people or six weeks at a minimum before getting sick for most people. But, you know, five milligrams taking super or sorry, five weeks taking super draw at more or less any dosage after that, you know, things are going to really suck. So it's going to force you to stop using it. Uh, so I don't, you know, super draw is very strong, but I think that you said you're a beginner too. you know, testosterone as a base, two cc's of testosterone per week or so. If I if I was in your shoes, I would take one cc of testosterone enanthate or cypionate or sustenon, and I would do that twice a week. And then on top of that, since it's easy, I would take Winstrol at 50 milligrams per day. And like if that was like my first cycle, that would be sweet. That would give me results that I was going to be happy with, and I'd be happy with my experience on on steroids for the first time if I did that. It would help your body composition. It would help you get stronger. It wouldn't make you look bloated. It would actually help you look more shapely and sharp and 3D and help you change your body composition. And it would make it so that, you know, if this was, you're a beginner and you're using that and you diet in a calorie deficit, you're not losing any muscle. You will, you will still have some of the bulging look of your muscles go down temporarily because of lack of glycogen fuel storage inside the muscles. But as soon as you eat for a few days, eat uh, a lot of calories again it'll go right back up so it blocks the muscles from being broken down for you i think that anivar would be another good one at the same dosage 50 milligrams and if the person really didn't want to use an oral then they could use primobolin or trenbolone masteron really isn't that useful masteron is like side effect city huge sex drive increase but you don't want to be like a masturbating freak or something like locked in your room and you know mastron really causes sexual impulses like it just does like they just come in your head it's really weird so does proviron and it's out of your hands once you take a dose more than 350 milligrams or 700 milligrams per week or so of mastron or proviron per week it's pretty much like out of your hands, like control of your sexual appetite. Um, 
the impulses that you'll get. It doesn't mean that you have to act on them. I just mean that the impulses that you get, it's like out of control. So, and, and that's reality. I'm not exaggerating. Not exaggerating. This even happens for guys who are natural and they, they just take Mastron or, or not. Ma I don't know about Mastron, but definitely if they take Proviron, because I've, I've watched it happen in my natural friends who have taken Proviron when they were natural and watched the increased sex drive and it had them talk to me about it and say, yes, it's having this effect for sure. So that's interesting. Um, the trend. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't use the trend unless you want to be using the best stuff and be exposed to the side effects and, and be, you know, using the most best stuff that's effective towards your goal because yeah, trend will recomposition your body better than any other steroid. It will do the process of trading fat weight for muscle weight better than any other steroid. But just know that if you do want to lose fat, the way to do that is, um, you know, being losing weight on the scale continually over time. Whatever you're doing with your steroids, whatever you're doing with anything, if you're trying to lose large amounts of fat, not just a little bit of fat or, you know, some fat or something, but, you know, you're trying to lose like a significant amount of fat, like 15 pounds or 20 pounds or so. There is no way to do that um, without moving the weight on the scale downwards. So you can use drugs to help you achieve that. But again, Trenbolone doesn't really cause you to lose much weight unless it makes it so that you have no appetite. Then it could do that for you. Um, and usually during the first week of Trenbolone use, yeah, it does make you have no appetite. But after that, usually it increases the appetite. Trenbolone, what a funny chemical. What a funny, shitty chemical. It's like a joke or something. Trenbolone. Fucking asshole. All right, the next question is from Nippy. Hey, I'm listening to your podcast. I'm from Turkey, and I want to ask about an underground lab product. Methandione, 20 milligrams. Oxymethylone, 25 milligrams. Methyl testosterone, 5 milligrams. All in one pill. What do you think about this stack? It, it's a pre-workout stack. The Taking the methandionone is D-ball, and uh, oxymethylone is anadrol. And then methyl testosterone is orally available testosterone that doesn't get destroyed in your stomach. So testosterone undecanoate cap, uh, tablets or capsules like Andriol, those for the most part get destroyed in your stomach. Some of the testosterone gets through, but not much. But methyl testosterone makes it the same as an oral steroid uh, where it survives the liver and it's not healthy for the liver. So the liver has to get a bit, a little bit strained to be dealing with it. So... All oral steroids usually, except for Primabolin and maybe a couple others, usually have that methyl thing that has some kind of an effect on the liver. So if you notice the names methandionone and oxymethylone, you know, that's D-ball and anadrol, and then there's methyl testosterone. People, take in, take in a couple pills of that before your workout, it'll help you have a better workout. Is it going to be out of this world better workout? No. But will it be a lot better than your creatine pre-workout? Yeah. Will it be about equal to if you have no tolerance for black coffee um, and then you have a drink of black coffee and go to the gym and have a great workout like that? Yeah, this will be about the same amount of benefit, but in a different way. It's not going to give you that kind of crazy like energy 
like limitless energy, but it is going to give you, you know, a little bit more on your weights and reps, very tiny bit more. And it's going to give you a good mental state, very aggressive mental state. And also it is going to help you get a better pump. So yeah, it works. Next question is from Milo, and this is the last question of the day. Your book is awesome, Ultimate Guide to Roids. Already got so much information out of it, especially info on anti-estrogens. However, I was wondering whenever I took aromacin before my muscles got really stiff, is this normal on aromacin? Notice when the half-life was gone, the stiffness was also gone. Like stretching my hamstrings would hurt when I was on the anti-estrogen. So what Half-Life refers to, that, that gets thrown around a lot. And a lot of people, it's kind of a hard word to understand. So what Half-Life means is after you take the drug and it peaks in your bloodstream, how much time until that level is cut in half. So if you took 50 milligrams of D-ball and then the peak dosage of it hit your your bloodstream okay then how much time does it take for that peak dosage that's ever going to happen after it peaks in your system the most it will ever have the highest level in your blood that it will ever have that moment how long does it take for your body to start metabolizing it breaking it down and excreting it so that only 25 percent of that maximum sorry so that only 50 percent half half life of that maximum achieved dosage is left in the body. How long does that take? That means the half-life. So Dianabol, for example, methandrostenolone, metandianone, they're all, those are all names for Dianabol, has a half-life of three to four hours, and it peaks in the body about 45 minutes after ingesting it. And then it takes three or four hours for your body to cut that dose in half and excrete and metabolize, break down, destroy half of it to get it out of your system it takes about three or four hours so that's dianabol's half-life with anti and that's that's half-life explained with the anti-estrogens everybody responds to these things differently if you have a, a bad experience on aromacin i advise you to try a different anti-estrogen there are different ones out there arimidex letrozole and Everybody responds differently to these. Exemestane is usually the best because it's a steroid. And it's a steroid that is really attracted to the aromatase enzyme that transforms uh, testosterone into estrogen. And so through doing that, it eliminates the estrogen uh, transforming enzyme, the aromatase enzyme. It eliminates it from your system. And then your body can't create estrogen anymore. Because it tricks it, because the exemestane is a steroid that's very powerfully attracted to the exemestane. All right, sorry, to the est to the estrogen. The exemestane is very attracted to the estrogen molecules. Yeah, they're very attracted to each other, and then it inactivates it once the exemestane hits it. Okay, but the the arimidex and the letrozole, they're not steroids. They're a different kind of chemical. Okay, for most people, the exemestane makes them feel the best. Um, for some people though, Arimidex and Letrozole make them feel the best. This is one of those things that it's just personal and 
You have to experiment with it. Kind of like how girls have to experiment with different brands of birth control until they get the right chemical they want because those are all different little, you know, birth control steroids are the same as, um, you know, masculine steroids. They're, they've got to be able to be patented so they can't be, you know, for the most part, you know, normal estrogen or normal progesterone. They have to be little slight mole- molecule, molecular uh, alterations to make them be able to be patented you know, the same thing like, you know, Anavar is a molecular alteration from testosterone and so is Primobolin, but they're all related to testosterone very closely. Same thing with birth control steroids. Um, and yeah, some people just don't do well on a certain anti-estrogen drug. Make sure you get a blood test if you're having trouble with your anti-estrogen drugs to make sure that your estrogen is in the good range because it sounds like for you, if you're getting stiffness in your hamstrings and stiff joints that are hurting, that sounds like your estrogen level was too low. Uh, so take less dose. <laughs> Don't take such a high dose. If you would like your questions to be answered on the Steroids Podcast, go to steroidspodcast.com and leave a comment with your questions or email or private message steroidspodcast at gmail.com or steroidspodcast on Instagram. Until next time.